0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back for another podcast, Boca podcast episode. We're here to help photographers create sustainable businesses. And actually, to that point, I've got a return guest on the show today, Matt Odom, and we're going to be talking about how to think proactively about our finances as photography business owners, particularly in the midst of coronavirus and all that's, that's come as a result. But thanks for hanging out again with us, Matt.
1: Hey, no problem, man. I'm glad to be back, man. Glad to be back.
0: Well, and you were actually, for those of you who haven't heard Matt on the Boca podcast previously, if you go back to episode 245, and we'll link to this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com, but Matt came on and and chatted with us about kind of a practical guide or approach to commercial photography, uh, which is his specialty. And you can get to know Matt a little bit better too, just by listening to that episode. Uh, Matt, there are a couple of questions that I've been asking our guests this year, um, fresh questions, if you will, that I didn't have the opportunity to ask you when you were on before. I just wanted to jump into those really quick before we get into the main topic, if we can. But talk to me about customer experience. Um, what is, from your experience as a photography business owner, what's one of the most important principles you found in delivering a really great customer experience?
1: Uh, be on time, be nice, follow up, and uh, build a relationship. Uh, if you do those, you, you'll all. I mean, I mean, most of my clients are return clients. Okay, uh, I'd say probably if I had to put a percentage on it, Nate, I'll probably say uh, about 90, 90 to ninety-three percent of my clients are return clients. I mean, I'm, I'm before this pandemic broke out, I was working with a client that I worked with for the last five years. Wow. So I mean, it just kind of, kind of just tells you if you, if you do a good job at professional, I think the one thing I hear from a lot of clients, whether they're new or people that have, I meet in passing is that I've heard that they haven't, that it is a big problem with professionalism. Hmm. And I was kind of al- alarmed by that when I heard it. I was like, well, what's that problem? But what, I, what I figured is that Some, some people just get bigger than their britches. Okay. And forget that, you know, where they came from. Yeah. And, and people don't understand this is a business, man, whether you're, you know, on the retail side of things or on the commercial side of things that, People are required for you to, to be in work, you know? And so you have to treat people, you know, you have to be gracious for that for the opportunity. You yeah. know, it's a privilege. I don't think photographers realize it's a privilege that we're able to do something that we like to do mm-hmm. uh for a living. And and to your question, you know, uh customer experience is is paramount because word spreads quicker than anything else. I mean, all it takes is you know bad. You know bad. But they say bad news travels quicker than good news. It's I mean, so
0: true, especially in our photography industry.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. You you can end up on a couple of lists real quick, man. <laughs> especially in my in, on my side of things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, all it takes is to work with it because most of these photo editors, they all know each other. Mm. I mean, and I know this to be true because I know I know two or three that all know each other. And so, you screw one, man, you screwed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but if you if you go above and beyond for one. Like I'll give you a good example. I used one, I used one recently. Before this before the pandemic broke out, I had an assignment from a, a magazine. I, I almost said it, I won't say the name of the magazine, but I had a an assignment and so it was projected to go through April. Okay. Well, because I had already kind of saw it was starting to get kind of rocky. Yeah. I started making phone calls earlier to the people I had to photograph. So I actually did the entire shoot probably four or five weeks before it was even due. Oh, wow! So once I got everything done and edited, and this was probably in the second week of this is probably when everybody was quarantined like that second week of March when yeah. most people started shutting it down,
2: yeah,
1: I emailed the client and was like, "Hey, I got everything done," and so they responded, and I guess you know everybody had to get used to working at home, so she responded last week and was just blowing out the water, like, "Oh man, you were actually able to do it. you got it done, da 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 da. That was an opportunity there to, you know that client is probably going to work with me. From here out. Oh, I, probably, sure. I, I mean, that's probably because, it, it, you know, I went above and beyond. Yeah. Sometimes you have to do that in order to to, to, to make to build that relationship. And so once you and I'm not saying go out there in the quarantine and go shoot, go out and leave your house in the quarantine and go do a photo shoot. No, I'm definitely not saying that. So what I'm saying is when you're given that opportunity, you have to make the best judgment and provide that client with that experience. Now that was a that was a situation where I just saw uh, you know let me if I can get this done ahead of time I can if not then then I can't and and to even cover myself I blank I blanketed myself because I reached out to them uh, prior to that and was like hey you know it's starting to get bad you know what's our contingency plan and they were even grateful for that but I had already went ahead and got everything done because I had one other person that I was waiting on and it took. A, took a little while for him to respond, and I was just doing it just to cover myself in case I never heard back from him. And so, of course, it all worked out. But, you know, communication and, and, and is key. I mean, I've got several clients that, you know, we talked last time and, 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 and off air. This is off air. But we talked about, you know, I told you I had a couple of clients that's all just sitting there waiting. But those clients were all grateful because when this broke down, because this is a new experience, this is a completely new experience to everybody. I called the client and was like, hey, look, I'm not expecting to work for the next month or two or three. And are y'all fine with that? And and, and are y'all willing to come back later on this year and let's talk? And they they said perfectly fine. And so taking that initiative to go to clients and talk to them in difficult situations, difficult times, especially when money's on the line for some of us, those clients are going to remember you. Mm Mm-hmm. They're going to make sure they take care of you, not just in the short term, in the long term. So,
0: but it all state, starts with, I mean, what I love is it all starts with the basics, right? What you're talking about isn't anything kind of earth shattering and, and something that probably most of our listeners haven't heard before. It's it's the basics. It's kindness. It's proactive communication. It's showing up on time. It's delivering, yep. it, ideally beating expectations, but certainly delivering on time. That The basics are what's going to actually get it done. And I also love that you didn't mention anything about photography. And by the way, for anybody who's listening in, you can see Matt's lovely work. If you go to mattodumphotography.com. Um, and it's Matt Odom photo on Instagram. He's got some beautiful work. So it's not that he doesn't care about the work. He just understands that it's the, the basics. Delivering a great client experience means just getting to the basics and delivering on those consistently that makes the big difference. Right, Matt?
1: Yep, that's correct. I mean, it, it, that's business 101, man. I mean, if you can, can get the job done efficiently and get the client what they need, then you're going to be in business for a while. If you're lackadaisical, then you you gonna probably won't be in business for 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 a long period of time. You're, yeah, you probably you know either that or you you fumble and bumble for a few years before <laughs> the light before the light comes on.
0: Yep. No, that's the great. It's, it's such a great reminder, and you know, some somebody listening in might say, "Well, that's such basic information." Of course, you do that, but the reality is, we don't all deliver on it consistently all the time, and, it, and it's really good to be reminded that we need to get back to the basics. That is where it all starts, and and a lot of our business can actually run on those basic principles as long as we apply them consistently. So that's a great reminder. Talk to me, Matt, about um, the idea of outsourcing or delegation. We talked about time management the last time you were on the show. This is a pretty important component of time management. Have you found some benefit in the idea of delegation in your business?
1: Absolutely, especially especially when you start getting a lot of work. So a lot of times you don't... All right, so I'll tell people this. Let me throw this out there. I know how to use Photoshop. I know how to use Lightroom. Yeah. There are certain things in Photoshop that I prefer not to do. I'm not going to do a whole lot of uh, compositing, I'm probably going to send that to somebody else to do it. Right. (laughs) You know, you have to know what your strong point is and your weak point. Whatever your strong point is, do it. Whatever your weak point is, let somebody else do it. You know, I do real estate photography and certain things in real estate photography, I just don't have the time to sit down and do because I've got other assignments to do. Sure. And so I just, I I source that stuff. I mean, it's just, just understand. Now, if you can do it all, there's some photographers, man, that are gifted. You know, I, I know a couple of commercial guys that do. Really good work, man, and they're able to do it, and even do 3D rendering and stuff like that in the process of doing it. So, I mean, if you if you're gifted to where you can do all that, then by all means, you know, do it. You know, you'll save yourself money. You know, uh, but if you know that your weakness is compositing or your weakness is color balance or whatever, then don't be afraid to send that stuff out. First off, you should already be charging enough to where you should be able to outsource it if you need to, anyway. Right. Uh, if you're not, then that's a whole nother discussion.
0: Well, and and actually, I'm curious to your take on this, because you mentioned, uh, obviously, focusing on your strengths, delegating your weaknesses, and that makes sense. But you also mentioned the idea of saving money. Of course, the irony of of holding on to all of this work, in many cases, the busy work, including editing— Um, can ultimately be time-consuming, which actually costs us money in in the bigger picture, right? So where do you find the balance there between, quote, saving money, but then also delegating so you actually have time to focus on other things that'll actually build your business?
1: Uh, Actually, man, you know, what I find is that if if you, this is gonna sound funny, but if you actually outsource what you need to get outsourced, it actually works out for you long-term because you're not having to explain yourself to a client. If that makes sense, you're not trying to have to explain why you're late on something,
0: right, right,
1: or forfeiting the percentage of whatever they paid you because you you couldn't get it done on time. How, how many and I know you, you probably start laughing up right in the Cellar. <laughs> how many photographers you talk to that do weddings that it takes them forever to do a wedding album yeah. they want to do Oh them.
0: months, months or even longer, yeah, I absolutely.
1: Mean, and for those who are videographers that just happen to be listening, you we all know that videographer that recorded the win, and it's been 2 years and the, cu- the couple still haven't seen it. <laughs> yep. I
0: yeah, mean, I mean so it's funny but it's not, right? I mean it sucks for yeah. the client, and the experience, and ultimately it's a poor reflection on your brand.
1: Yep. Yep. I mean it, it's say I mean it's better than you having to refund 60% of what they paid you when all you need to do is send you know maybe a couple of 50 bucks or whatever to some people and, yeah. and get somebody to edit whatever needs to be edited and you you're done.
0: Yep. Yeah, point. I, your point is well made, Matt. I think I think that's a great perspective. Talk to me about uh, inspiration outside of photography. I mean, you have it, it, your work is really interesting because it's very wide ranging. I know it's commercial and real estate, um, but it, it's just a really lovely variety. As I'm scrolling through your website, how do you find inspiration outside of the photography industry? So you don't kind of get stuck with your blinders on, only looking at other photographers' work.
1: Well, that's the, one of the things that I, I when I when I started, man. And I don't know if we talked about this last time or not, but I know when I started I had a horrible habit of looking at other photographers work and I would compare myself to them. Hmm. Well, what I stopped doing was looking at a lot of people's work. And then that's when the, that's when my creativity took started taking off. Okay. I mean, I still look at people's work now. I mean, I I don't it's not like I don't go look, you know, take a look at people's work. What I stopped doing was comparing comparing myself to other people because a lot of times as a photographer your career goes on a slope. When you look like three years ago, you look at the photographer you were three years ago, Nate, and then you're like, darn, man, you know, I don't do this anymore. I do that. I do, you know, I'm different. You're different in what different, different ways than what you were. Sure. Yeah. That's a sign of growth. Well, most photographers don't think about it that way they think that they have to look like another photographer's work and then they feel like they've achieved And now all you've done is just copied. Somebody. Just
0: copied somebody. Yeah. I yeah. mean, so many photographers in our industry and I've certainly been guilty of it, but you just kind of copy and paste what yeah. you're seeing somewhere else versus yeah. actually thinking outside of that. Um, yeah. that, so, I mean, if you, you made that shift in your business and, and it encouraged your creativity, you, you stopped looking so much at other photographers, but do you find inspiration from any other sources outside of the photography industry that help you encourage you think creatively?
1: Yeah, actually, actually, man, I, I do. I, I, I watch like film. I mean, film movies. Yeah, movies are great spots for in, for inspiration. Man, Absolutely, because of the lighting. Yeah, you know the this, the tones, the settings. Always I like locally, I look at I look at I, I read a lot of newspapers. Sometimes I find stories, interesting people.
2: Hmm. Uh.
1: I try to kind of think of things that would be interesting to people, and and then I, of course, my personal projects. I, I don't do them as much as I used to because I work a lot now. But you know, even even like in this pandemic, you know, I, I've thought about a couple of projects once this is over with that I could that I could do. You know,
0: what kind of yeah, what kind of projects would you do that would that would help kind of spur oh, creativity? I,
1: I, I would love to do so. Like right now, man, if 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 you know, if this thing was so contagious, man, I would love to photograph survivors. Hmm. That would like be that would be absolutely phenomenal It'd be the, the photograph survivors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people who were like on their deathbed, which just made it through. You know, they've made it. Wow. Uh, I, I read a story of a guy today. Matter of fact, the guy that was uh, the video coordinator at uh, UGA, he uh, he beat the coronavirus. It took him six weeks. Wow. And I was like, dude. That's that's a that would be a pretty cool story, you know. I, you know, somebody sent me the photograph. That'd be great, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: But you know, those are the kind of things that kind of like what I'm thinking about now. Is just you know telling good stories because what's going to happen, man? Is you know you go through something like this, we're going to need a lot of positivity. It's going to need to be, you know, you're going to need some positive, positive stories, you know, coming out of this. You know, people people not even thinking about. You know, we got farmers that are still providing food, mm. farm to table. You've got so many people being inf- infected by this affected by this, excuse me. And you know, those are stories to be told. You know.
0: Wow. Yeah, well, it sounds like an incredible opportunity. It, it looks like maybe you have you'll you'll have your hands full with that project too. It sounds like a really cool one.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I, I I'm just waiting for this to be over with so I can kind of get back on the, uh, get back on the horse.
0: Well, let us know if you do pursue that project. We'd love to share that with, with our listeners, with our community, but you've know, you you've mentioned the coronavirus or the pandemic that we're dealing with. And for anybody who's listening to this episode and you know, whether it's three months or six months or a year, or a couple of years from now, we are currently basically the country and, and segments of the world are kind of on lockdown. We're in quarantine and we're stuck indoors for quite a bit of time each day. And naturally, as a result, I mean, photography business owners are in a pretty tough spot because they can't get out and photograph. They can't generate revenue. And of course, naturally then there are concerns or fears or stresses associated with our finances. And Matt, you and I had the chance to chat on the phone the other day and it was cool to catch up. But one of the things that just really struck me as we were talking was just how ease you are or at ease you are with your finances at the moment, where does that just general sense of peace come from just to get us started?
1: Well, and and I'm not going to get too far ahead because I know one of the questions that we're going to talk about, but I I will say uh, that the main thing that I learned coming out of 08, because at that time I was working in TV. Okay. uh, And so I got laid off. So I was out of work for about, I was out of consistent work. Let me put it like this, consistent work for about two, two, two and a half years. Wow. And so it was, I would get a job here and they, you know, funding would be going or I would get laid off. You know, I, I think I told you I got laid off twice in a month at one point. Wow. And and then I got one job where I was only getting paid $600 a month. And I did that job for like six months.
0: Oh, goodness.
1: Yeah. And so I learned the value of a dollar mm. easily. It didn't, didn't take much of me to learn the value of a dollar after that. And sure. so, and this was all before I had even, this was like slightly before I even, Decided I would do pursue photography, and so what I started doing was I would just put a little money aside. You know, whatever I was making, man, I, I would hold on to it, and I wouldn't live above my means. And I just carried that same philosophy through through my photography my, my photography career to where you know I make a decent amount of money, but unless it's something I have to like really buy, I think my 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 largest purchase to date now outside of my my property we'll get that later on was my car because i had had a car i had had ever since high school i drove the car i had from high school oh no way from from 2000 from 1999 all the way to 2014
0: wow okay
1: yeah so i mean when i started out as a photographer i was still driving my old beat up honda civic man (laughs) and all my gear yeah all my gear fit in there i could fit the whole entire everything in there man i could fit Stand C stand everything was spinning in that in that Honda Civic man, wow lights you know and this is back when I had Paul C Buff lights so I had the the vagabond two vagabonds you know all that kind of stuff was spinning there and uh, I just was like now everybody was like oh you need to get a new car you need to get a new car I was like no nah, I will get one when this when this one when this one finally tips over yeah yeah and even then when it did tip over I went and got a car that I could actually afford you sure know? yeah uh you know the Dave Ramsey route you know get you something that you can afford and then keep on rolling, you know, and, uh, that's what I did. And I thank God that's what I did because, uh, had I got something that was way out of control, man, i would probably still be paying on it right now in the middle of this, which would be a nightmare.
0: You right. Know? Right. And, and I mean, it just seems like you, like you, I mean, first of all, it started from a place of gratitude because you mentioned you, you've been through the recession in 08, you knew what it was like to not have a job or if you had a job, minimal amount of income. And so just, starting with a certain level of gratitude and awareness has put you in a much better place. And it's, of course, translated, it's trickled down to your actual behavior as an individual, as a business owner. And you commented on some of these ideas the other day when we were, some of the things that you were doing when we were chatting on the phone. And I was like, hey, can we do a podcast about this? And so we're here today. And I, I'm just going to, so to give a little bit of context to the conversation too, I want to be really clear, neither Matt nor myself or financial planners or advisors is none of this is meant to be professional advice. Um, I just wanted Matt to share a little bit of his perspective, what he's learned that's enabled him in a time like this, which is so crazy. We don't have the opportunity to photograph, to generate revenue, to be at, at such... I mean, he's, he's just relaxed. You can hear his voice. And, and this was the, the the vibe that I was getting from Matt the other day too, when we were chatting. And I was like, man, can we talk about this? Because I think it, it's good for... We don't talk enough about money in the industry. And it's funny the number of times that I've heard from photographers, even on the podcast, Matt. Um, they, they add this caveat, which is like, I'm, it's not all about money, but, and then, you know, whatever they fill in the blank after mm-hmm. that. But the reality is we're, we're running businesses. And yeah. so we've got to think proactively about our finances, the way that we manage our money. And, and I've said this before in the podcast, but I put myself in a really tough spot because I didn't do this very thing as a photography business owner. And so I would love to get the word out and at least start the conversation. Matt's going to share some food for thought today around this idea of managing our finances proactively so that for the future, if we ever end up in a situation like this again, that we can all be in a much better place, not just financially, but mentally as a result. I think it's really important. So Matt, one of the first points um, that that you mentioned the other day, uh, you were talking about how photographers just in general, they have an interesting opportunity, which is they make more money in less time than the average person. And I don't think we think about this, this reality very much. Like the the idea that somebody hands us a check for three grand or five grand after we go, especially wedding photographers go do a shoot for eight hours. It's a mind blowing concept. What will you share your thoughts on this idea?
1: Sometimes doing editorial work, editorial work doesn't pay a lot, you know, To the average average person, you know, I had the discussion with photographers all the time. They're like, oh, man, editorial photographers don't make a lot of money. And I'm like, I understand what you're saying in the scope of is not an an advertising job. Sure. But if someone's getting paid $1,800 to work for 20 minutes, then you tell me where if you can find that job for me out in the the regular world (laughs) where you pay $1,800 for 20 minutes. Yeah. Then I'll go do it. I, Seriously. I'll, I'll sign up for it right now. Yeah. I'll sign up for it. We're making even 500 600 on the retail side. Some people are making, some people actually charge $800 a portrait session on the retail side. Right. You know, and, and getting it. Right. And so you're making that five, six, eight, 10, 12 times a week. There's no reason that you shouldn't be saving money but i want to tell you it you know when, when you were talking after something hit my mind that i hadn't th- i did not bring up last time that sure. it hit me this time one of the you know what one of the problems that photographer that, that kicks photography broke you know what one of the main problems is that you don't you don't hear about it you, you don't hear it, but it's the elephant in the room that nobody brings up gear lust
2: yeah yeah absolutely right,
1: i mean right now we're in a situation and i've seen two or three photographers talking about what buying gear and i'm like matter of fact i know someone just bought a drone last week and i was like why are you buying a drone in the middle of a pandemic and i'm just like i understand yeah you might want to go outside and whatever but right now gear is not you need to be 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 taking care of the four walls
0: yes absolutely
1: you know gear gear right now is of absolute not even discussion somebody asked me are you are you buying a new camera i'm like not buying a new camera no time soon especially since this happened Right now, I was thinking about getting a new camera towards the end of the year, but since this happened, no, I'm not even worried about it right now. That's the least. I've already got two. I mean, what? I mean, at this point of the game, why? Why would I even entertain that? That's money that that, doesn't need to be spent.
0: Well, and you, we actually did talk about this a little bit the other day. You were talking about how we've got, I think you said something about how like we've got this gear that is amazing as it is. The notion that we have to continue to go buy the latest thing is just kind of crazy. I mean, I, I can think back to my first digital camera as a professional photographer, because I started in film. My first digital camera was a Nikon D1X. It was less than six megapixels. The dynamic range was terrible. And yet I could get a stunning 20 by 30, 30 by 40 print out of that thing if if I did it well. And yet we're I, we're worried about not having, you know, whatever, 58,000 megapixels. I mean, it's it's yeah, crazy yeah, these days yeah. what we're trying to upgrade for.
1: <laughs> I was, I was, I was, this is about a year or two ago. I remember I, this forum I was on and this guy put up this photo and it was like, this is the most, like the most followed Nat Geo photo. And it was shot on a three megapixel camera.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: And I was just like, this is exactly why I tell people I don't... Uh, this whole gearless thing, man. It's, you know, it's just... It's crazy. I mean, it's like people... The Sony... Sony came out with a new Mark, whatever, and so everybody's got to go get that one. That was... It's only about five megapixels better than the one that <laughs> got. Right. Yeah. You know, you know, it's not like you were getting it like... For me, i tell you, I, I was thinking about getting a new Canon camera, the new uh, mirrorless. Okay. Probably because I suffer from uh, carpal tunnel. Okay. And so you know, a 5D Mark IV, it gets heavy. Yeah. <laughs> a, 5, a 5DSR it gets heavy. Yeah, Yeah. And so after a while, you know, your, your wrist starts to hurt. And so um, I said, well, I'll, I'll probably break down and get a mirrorless camera once they get the, the stuff that I need on it. But I'm not getting it just to say I got the latest and greatest. I'm actually getting it because I actually need it. You know?
0: Right. Well, which, which brings me, I mean, you mentioned the, the significance of saving. I, I, I think it's a good reminder for everybody listening in. Just don't, don't be stupid about buying gear. It's, it's in most cases, you've got something that's more than good enough and will be probably for even a year or two or three to come. There's, there's no need to jump to to spend money on something like this that isn't actually adding value to your business. It's not helping you generate more revenue. I get that gear is fun. I like getting new gear occasionally, whether it's I mean, for a motorcycle because I ride motorcycles um, or gear for my motorcycle or, you know, some type of electronic gadget. I mean, it's fun. I get it. But the reality is that m- most cases, we have what is more than good enough to do what we need to do. And the reality is we could work on stepping up our own game using the existing equipment rather than spending more money. And then that money can be put away um, or invested in some way, which really leads me to my next question, Matt. Um, you talked about the significance of saving. Is there a particular percentage of revenue that you have found, at least for yourself personally, that's best to save from your experience? All
1: right. One, if you're paying taxes, you need to be saving 30% anyway. <laughs> 100%. If you, if, yeah. yeah. If you're, paying if you, taxes, if you if you're not paying taxes, saving. yeah. If yeah. you're not
0: paying taxes, watch out.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's why I was like, watching people this week with the stimulus check. Like we were like, Oh man, you know? And I was like, it is somebody said, well, it's not saying that I got anything. It's not saying anything. I was like, if you paid your taxes, don't worry, you'll be getting a paper check. You might just, you, you don't worry. You'll be getting it. If you paid your taxes. You right. And, and But, uh, no, I, I, I've just learned that I put away at least 20, 20%. Okay. Wow. 20% at least what I make. At least 20%. And a part of that is one uh, in case an emergency happens. Right. Because I think there's, what, what's the st- statistic? I think they said like over so many Americans don't even have $400 in the bank. Yeah. It's- and I, was just, I find that shocking. Like, wow. You know. Yes. Especially if you're making, you know, uh, a decent amount of change and what, what blew my mind. I'll tell you what just blew my mind. And I, and I think we talked about this is uh, I know people who are making like six figure jobs, man, and they're struggling right now. Right. And right. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. And, and it's like, they never thought about saving money because we've been conditioned to spend, 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 spend. And, and, you know, uh, I know photographers, make really good money really good money make more than i do and and they're and they're talking about they're struggling and i'm just like well how are you living because see this is a discussion that a lot of photographers don't like to have are we living within our means Hmm. you know photography our income fluctuates by the year you know some years is good some years is bad you know i remember last my, my last year wasn't as good as the year before last. Hmm. This year is way better than the year before last. Right. So it just, it goes up in cycles. So you need to be saving at least 15 to 20%. And I'll i and I'm, I'm be modest 15 to 20% on that end. And if you're making a really good year, you really need to be saving about 30 to 40% because it's sure. not a guarantee that you're going to be making that money the following year. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, weddings change. I mean, think about the wedding industry right now. I mean, you know this. Doesn't? I mean, look at look at the m- money, the income that was lost the last month and this month. And next month in certain places. I mean, look at the percentage. We're at the height of wedding season right now. We're supposed to be at the height of wedding season right now for photographers. And all of that money is gone. That's money that somebody probably thought they automatically had made. right? And that's what I'm saying is that you cannot bank on what's coming in the future. Especially on that end especially when it comes to weddings. Because all it takes now is a bride to go, you know what? Because what'll happen is these brides and grooms look at you know what? <sighs> you know, it's tight right now, money's tight. You know, we really don't need to have to do such and such. And now they'll they'll just stay home, you know, and say, you know what? We'll just go to the courthouse and get married. Right. And we'll just Instead of getting, doing a full on wedding, we'll just do a portrait session. We'll pay them, you know, we'll just get a portrait session done. So you've lost that income that you probably would have got on that wedding.
0: Yeah. And we're definitely, we're likely going to see some of that. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out um, in general, but the thing is we can't control that. We certainly couldn't control, can't control the coronavirus. Um, the thing that we can do that we do have some control over is how we manage our spending, and how much we save, which will then give us a sense of of peace in times like this. Because man, it's so stressful. If you're, and I've certainly there have been times in my life, significant amounts of time actually in my life in, in the past where I've, I've dealt with significant financial stress, and what that does to your, to yourself as an individual, what it does to you as a business owner, it, how it saps your your energy from being able to think creatively as a business owner, proactively as a business owner, what it does, what it can do to relationships. It's, it's a nightmare. And what, yet, what we could be doing consistently on an ongoing basis is just simply setting aside this percentage of, of income, put it in a bank. Maybe do a combination of 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 savings and investments and and you can talk to somebody that that knows what to do with regards to investments you, you can invest some of it, but put it aside so that you've got it for times like this and if you don't have to ever, ever have to spend it for times like this, then you know even better. but that is something you can control. you can't control what might happen. What you can do is control how you spend and ultimately how you save. And this is a really great reminder. So twenty percent, we're just gonna we're gonna lock it in. You said fifteen to twenty. I'm gonna I'm gonna say twenty. Let's just go twenty. <laughs> we'll go twenty uh, for, yeah, we'll for all 20. the listeners out there. But talk to me about something else. This is something you mentioned the other day. Um, the significance of cutting costs of production. Now, is this something that is relevant to only commercial photographers? Do you think it's relevant to portrait and wedding photographers as well?
1: Well, I'll tell you what. Let's so let's I'll I'll, I'll tackle it from both sides. Okay. Let's start with the wedding side first. Let's say wedding portrait. All right. So a lot of these wedding venues may not even be around once this is over with. Mm.
2: But
1: people are I mean, it's it's a tough topic, but some of these places are struggling. And so what happens is wedding photographers are going to be placed in a situation to where they're really going to have to start proving to these brides and grooms that, that their services are needed. And it's it's kind of, you know what? Let me let me put it to you this way it's going back to the way it used to be. You remember, you remember, you remember Nate probably back in 2010, 2011. Sure. When everything was back on uptick Yeah. and you, you would have to go back and it was, you know, you would have to really prove to those bride and grooms that, Hey, this is what I offer. This is that. Sure. And then you saw a period where it went to where, Venues started popping up all over the place. Remember that? You remember? That's yeah, true. You, know, you remember? It just went through a phase where everybody had a wedding venue. <laughs> you know, the wedding venue here, you know, everybody. And now you look, you know, we go back just earlier last year and you see where they were all over the place. It's mainstream, you know?
2: Hmm.
1: Well, now that this is here, <laughs> there people could be very well be cutting costs and wedding photographers could very well be, what is on the you know what's cut yeah yeah you know and so now photographers are going to have to work extra hard to prove their worth to a client because they because some clients are going to be valuing the venue over the photographer Hmm. and some and and then in some cases the the that same venue the venues are going to have to figure out how how are they going to uh, push themselves to bribes because some of these places are going to be struggling, right? Struggling, especially, especially these places that's in Metro metropolitan areas, like up in Atlanta, hmm. you know, it's, I mean, it's going to be rough for a minute. And on my side of things, because I, I talked to someone uh, just today, as a matter of fact, just today, I talked to someone that was saying that production is starting to wrap up. They're still talking about doing shoots, but everybody's got to figure out, well, how are we going to do it? Especially in this climate. Like, how are we going to pull these shoots off? You know, how, how is this going to happen? And so I've had about two or three jobs. I had two or three jobs hit me up within the last month. And they're all like, yeah, we want to do the job. We just don't know when. We don't know when and we don't really can't figure out how because of the issue of putting people at risk, uh, which is something we didn't talk about, is that now – we're in a situation, a real like gray area. I call it gray area, where as a photographer, and I, I've seen one or two photographers actually working in this. And I'm not talking like guys who are working for the press in New York. That's a completely different ball game. And when I, you know, I'm talking Associated Press, NetGeo, you know, stuff like that. That's completely different. What I'm seeing is people going out doing real estate shoots. I've seen people go out. Uh, I even saw one person try to do a portrait session. Hmm. When you are doing that kind of stuff, those type things, you're putting not only the client at risk, but you're putting yourself at risk and you're putting yourself at risk for a lawsuit. Because we all know how quick somebody, you know, how people are quick to sue now. Doesn't take much. And so that's a risk that I tell people is just really not worth the reward.
0: There, so there are a lot of risks at hand. I mean, there's, there's the potential, certainly, of losing business. We, we may have to work harder to get the business. Um, and and in some way, I mean, for, for at least wedding photographers, this may be tied to, as you pointed out, some of the, the, the venues. But ultimately, how does this tie to cutting cost in production? How can how can wedding photographers, portrait photographers, and certainly commercial photographers Cut the costs of doing business in order to save a little bit more money to be a bit more proactive with their finances.
1: Well, what, one of the things that I think that that you could probably do, Nate, and I know if this was me, I would probably have to look at re- restructuring packages. Hmm. And, I, and we talked about this. I'll probably I'll probably restructure some packages because people are going to come out of this. And, and, and like I tell you, if I, I, if I did not, if I had not gone through this before, then I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to answer these questions like I can. Sure, people are going to come out of this hurting. So you're going to have, people are going to have to start taking that into consideration. Yeah. I noticed the section of photographers. Well, wow, Yeah. I'm going to be getting paid my work. This is what I feel like I'm worth.
0: Well, yeah, that's just okay. ego talking though. Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You, yeah. You exactly. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. So that, if that's the mindset you want to have, then that's fine. You probably won't be in business much longer, but if you are actually trying to start from scratch and, and I'm going to tell people this, I'm going to give you, and I'm going to give people some optimism. I'm going to give people some optimism. People are going to be ready to spend money and come out. Yeah. It's, yeah. They may not have enough to have that amount that you were making before we went into this. Right. Right. But it's going to work itself back up to where it was. Absolutely. And so you're going to have to be mindful going forward. I've got clients that think about this. I've got co- companies and businesses that are struggling. They're still trying to make payroll in certain cases. I can't expect them to pay the top dollar. Mm-hmm. But what I can do is work with them with what they have. Not only will they pay me, but in the end, once again, it goes back to the very first question you ask about customer service. That client will always remember that and they will always call you. You have to think long term client relationship right, going right. going forward. Don't look for the quick dollar. Go for long term. If you have a client that's worked with you for over 10 years, five years that client is going to pay you two, three times more over than you would probably make on one job. So I'd rather really have a client that's going, that I'm dealing with consistently for 10 years. Because if I'm consistently dealing with somebody for 10 years or a bunch of clients for 10 years, guess what? I've been in business for how long? 10 years. It's just one of those things that people don't think about.
0: Well, I, I think they... So a couple of points that you made. One... We do have to be willing to set ego aside, understand that adjustments may be necessary, because I, I tend to agree with you. I'm I'm very hopeful, actually, as a business owner, as an individual, um, that p- th- there is going to be a even a strong rebound from this. And you're right. There may not be as much money to spend, but I think people are going to be so stoked to be free again and to get out yeah. and to go about living their lives again. that that they are going to be willing to spend money. We just have to understand it may not be as much. So to to your original point about cutting costs of production, we we might be able to rephrase this almost as just being willing to adjust price points of the services that we're offering. We we have to at least be open-minded to that idea. If we want to keep up business, if we want to book new business, uh, just understand that the mindset of the market that we work in, the marketplace that we work in may be different. Um, and in fact, may likely be different when we come out of this, when we're on the other side of this and we can actually start working again. Um, and yep. I think we have to be open-minded to that idea.
1: Yep. That's, that's, if, if if we could rephrase it, that's exactly what I would say. That's exactly what I would say.
0: And then I, I want to hit on one more point, And this is something that you brought up that was also really interesting to me in our conversation the other day. You mentioned rental property. Um, Now, again, I want to reiterate, neither you nor myself are are financial advisors here. So we're just kind of talking (laughs) about uh, Matt's experience. But I, I think this is a really great example of a photographer, a photography business owner thinking outside the little box that they live in, as in this is the only way that I can generate revenue income for myself. You stepped outside of that and you've actually found benefit in purchasing and renting property. Can you give a little bit of context to that conversation?
1: Absolutely, man. I um about a year ago, I came across a job. I had a job that paid really good money on, on one job, and so having paid the IRS twenty eight thousand dollars a couple of years ago, I was like, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> you know, it sounds like if I if I'm gonna do something, of course I pay my tax. But I was like, you know what? If I'm making l- large lump sums of money, like right, that, right, then I've got to find it. One, I started thinking about what happens if something like this happens. I was like, Oh man, what, what happens? Because I'm not, not working. And so I said, well, I've got to find a vehicle that can generate income, you know? And so that's a friend of mine mentioned to me about doing real estate. And of course at first I kind of was like, you know, I hadn't thought about it, but then he sat me down and showed me and was like, Hey man, you know, you can find you a decent property. And I think a lot of times people think, um, it requires a lot, of, a whole lot of money hmm. and it doesn't, you don't have to go find a hundred thousand dollar house and run it out. Right. Right. You know, you can go find you a nice 25, 30, dollars house, depending on your market. And, uh, and in some cases, if you look hard enough, man, this is, this is what, what I, I struck gold was. I found a property that only needed about roughly maybe $3,500 of fix up. Okay. And so I was able to get that house up and running and having a tenant in. And so, my mortgage is so low that my tenant covers my mortgage like two times over. Wow! And so, uh, even with this pandemic, I gave them like last month, and then I and then I told them we talk about May, but they're still working. So I'll probably start, end up getting rent for the next couple of months, you know. And this is just on a monthly basis, sure. Just you know, on a per month basis, depending on how the, everything turns out. But they are, uh, I mean, they've treated me well, man. And even in this pandemic man i mean i'm you know i'm still getting paid you know in addition to what i was getting paid when i was working you know doing my jobs so that extra money that i made on my rental properties was going straight to the bank you know and then of course if anything happens you know i need to fix a toilet or things of that magnitude uh, i'm able to still get that done and paid without a problem but it allows me to sleep easy at night knowing that I've got a little something coming in. It's almost kinda of like I, I call it my my, my inadvertent social security check <laughs> <laughs> coming in. It's so and so what I do is I take that money and I save it or if I need if thing happen things happen at that property that needs to get fixed, it's able to get fixed. And right, right. um and in certain cases if uh I need to get uh if I wanted to invest reinvest it in the stocks or whatever, take some of that money and get stocks I could. But I, I just need to have something knowing that I had a little bit of a of a shelter. Because I, I you know it goes back to uh you know, once again, we, we make a lot of money in this business. And uh and some of us just we we don't know is that we because we're not taught this is once you're a photographer, man, you in it's kinda like you in, you make money, that's it. We're not taught about taught to about diversifying our income.
2: Right. Yep. You
1: know, about you know, put a little bit here, save for retirement. Yep. Uh, you know, things of that magnitude. And so when we hit a rough spell like this, this is when everybody like, oh man, what do I, do? you know, well, I hadn't thought about it, you know. And that's not to knock anybody because I was like that. You know, I had I told you, I, I didn't start thinking about it until last year. It was like, okay, because stocks are cool. And we talked about this. Stocks take time. I mean, stocks take a long period of time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, if you go back to 2000, I want to say Nike stock was $5.
0: Yeah, our, our mutual friend like is just posting about yeah. that today or yesterday. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 so then you look. It took so long for it to get to where it is. Well, most of us are in our most of us are in our thirties and forties. Well, fifties and sixties is when all your health issues start popping up. You know, Lord willing, that doesn't happen. But you know, that's when you know you have to start thinking about that phase. So, well, what what's going to help you get quicker to that phase is run a property. I've got I've got some guys. What blew my mind about this man was I play soccer. You know, me and you talk about most folks know I play soccer, and so I've got some guys I play soccer with, man. And uh, these guys will consistently be going on vacation. And so I was like, man, what do you do? <laughs> you know, you just like what I, I want that kind of lifestyle. What are y'all yeah, doing? Yeah. And one of my buddies, that's a real estate agent, he told me he said, "Well, Matt, he said most of these guys, man, they're buying rental properties and they're renting them out." And one guy I know he has like 133. Wow. Yeah, and I and, and they're all on section eight. <laughs> so he's getting guaranteed money every month. So he doesn't have to, he just takes two weeks off of, the, of, of a month and goes and collect this rent. And in this case, and even now I talked to him and he's like, Yeah, they just deposit all they everybody set up for the set up for direct deposit so it comes to his account. Right. And he doesn't even worry about the percentage that they have to pay. He just told them to keep. Cause, because they still he still gets paid for the uh so the uh not social security but the uh Section eight and then uh, for those who don't do session eight i know a good buddy of mine who who uh is uh is the same real estate agent he he uh he actually plays in a band majority of the time well of course you know of course now he's not playing in the band so well uh, guess what he's where his money's coming from rental properties he's got like four or five rental properties
2: yep
0: yep
1: and so he's making you know making his money or what have you until he can get back up and rolling.
0: But I want, I want to get back, though, to what you said, though. I mean, what, what even enables us in the first place is just thinking proactively. And You mentioned when you made that lump sum from one of the jobs, you get paid really well. You know, the average response might be, oh, my goodness, I have all this money. Let me go buy this car or let me go do this thing or go do that. And you were like, you know what, let me let me invest some of this. And you've done that. It's already generating dividends for you, which is fascinating and, and even more interesting. And we may actually have the opportunity here very soon to, to do an episode, on kind of an intro to stock trading episode, because uh, and, and, I think it's an important conversation for photographers, again, as you pointed out, Matt, to think about diversifying revenue streams. But if you've got a rental property that's generating revenue, and you're actually making a profit from that, you take that money and invest that, now it's a double win um,
1: yeah, that, in, that- in the long run. And let me throw this in there, too, for those who might have student loans. I mean, hey, you know, if you don't want to pay student loans, hey, get you to rental a property, let your, your tenant pay it for you. Yeah. Pay on your student loans that way. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just so many ways that, that I always use the analogy. You know, how do you eat an elephant? And it's one bite at a time. Yes. You don't eat it all at one time. You just bit by bit by bit by bit, you know
0: yeah wow it's it's such a loaded conversation and and I know that the uh, uh this is like you and I matter kind of talking beyond our, our our pay grade or our profession if you will but i I just thought that it was it was such a great conversation the other day i was I was very impressed by had a lot of respect for and ultimately encouraged too by our conversation and I wanted to share. Just, again, in a conversational manner, the, the stuff that you had shared with me, with our listeners, and if nothing else, for those of you listening in, some of this, maybe you already knew, maybe you're already doing it. Others, maybe not. Take it at least as food for thought, points of consideration, talk to a financial planner, even start with something as basic as talking to your accountant and, and looking at how you can proactively save in the way that you're managing your, your income and your revenue streams when it comes to taxes. But, but be proactive. That's the key thing here. Yep. We need to stop reacting. We need to start thinking proactively yep. when it comes to our money.
1: Yep. Most, most people don't even realize that you can go to a, uh, that we, that you can get a SEP IRA, which I actually have one of those too, a SEP IRA. And you can, I think that is uh, you can fund that up to like fifty thousand dollars or something like that. It's, I can't quite remember exactly how it operates, but I know that it's tax you can it's tax deductible, and it's basically man like for a regular full person that has a, a IRA, they can only put a percentage in up to so much, but we can go way past that threshold because most of us are you know we're small businesses, and so I would tell people man check with your local bank check with your local financial advisor you know it's a called a sep ira and it's something that you you know you might want to look at if you know for retiring but you know i'll always say diversify your, your your uh your money you know make sure you got not just in one particular pot but you kind of got it spread out all over the place
0: yep no, that and that's a good way to really sum up the conversation. I, yep. I really appreciate you making time to share with our community, come back and hanging out with me, Matt. And um, yeah, no
1: problem, man. I'm always, always good talking with you, Nate.
0: Well, and would you mind just sharing one more time where our listeners can follow you, your website, and social media as well?
1: Yep, you can follow me. I'm more active on IG than I am on Facebook, but my website is uh, com. And you can find me on IG as a Matt Odom photo, all one word. And, uh, and uh, you can always check out my other podcast that we did uh, about what is it a year ago now? It's been a something like
0: that. Yeah. Episode 245. Yeah. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes at com along with Matt's site and social media. And uh, once again, thanks for making the time to hang out with, with us, Matt. This has been a really great conversation.
1: Hey man, likewise, man. And you be safe, brother.
0: Thank you so much for listening to The Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.